Through this community of faith, the hope is that queer people of faith can have a space that they can call home. You are listening to the Faithonomics Podcast, the podcast that elevates the stories, experiences, and wisdom of faith-inspired doers from authors and activists to clergy and social entrepreneurs. I am your host, Race Lamb. Let's get inspired together. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. In the guest chair this week, we welcome Jackson Campbell, the founder of Queer Conversations, a queer community of faith located in central Kentucky. Jackson also serves as a minister to children and youth at Bridgeport Christian Church in Frankfort, Kentucky, and currently pursuing his Master of Social Justice at Union Theological Seminary. During today's conversation, Jackson shares his journey that led him to start Queer Conversations in a place many outsiders might consider an inhospitable location, Central Kentucky. Friends, the work Jackson is doing is truly holy work. So without further ado, let's get to it. Jackson, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, and let me begin by saying really how excited I am as a member of the queer community, as a child of Appalachia, and as a Baptist uh, to be having this conversation with you today um, around queer conversations and your work uh, getting it off the ground. But before we dive into your larger experience around starting queer conversations, I'm hoping you might be able to share a little bit about your personal story. In, In other words, what led Jackson to this point? Absolutely. Um, I grew up in a little town in eastern Kentucky, Jeffersonville, Kentucky, um, near Mount Sterling. And then Mount Sterling is near Lexington. Uh, That's kind of how we uh, let people know where we're from. Uh, But I grew up in eastern Kentucky, um, grew up in a staunchly Southern Baptist, evangelical Protestant home. Um, We were usually in the church. Anytime the doors were open, uh, like many evangelicals on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings, um, my home was a little bit different than than most uh, because we hosted exchange students every year, um, every year that I have been alive, at least through high school. Uh, and so I, I usually like to say that uh, my home is kind of a, a speck of cultural complexity in a in a community that you know some people might see as seemingly homogenous mm-hmm. um but i i grew up southern baptist i was very involved in ministry and and serving god and in a diversity of ways uh as were my parents and in many ways we all uh were hurt by the church uh many different times and i think being hurt by the church, there's there's this battle you have with the church, or many people have had, um, where you love it so much, or you love Jesus so much, or you love um, being a part of a faith community, um, and even through that hurt, uh, you you continue to to battle that out, um, and some people stick uh, stick to it, and some people don't, and and rightfully so, but I did, um, I stuck with it even. Through high school, coming out as gay, um, my church no longer accepting me or welcoming me. 
Um, my family had left the church at that point as well. And uh, trying to discover kind of who I was in in Eastern Kentucky as a Southern Eastern Kentucky boy who was queer and also felt a call to ministry. Uh, so I went to Transylvania University, studied religion, uh, felt empowered and called, um, as I always have, and went from there to Union Theological Seminary in New York, where I study online uh, in the Master of Arts and Social Justice program. And uh, from there, I continue to serve congregations and share with people that there's a way to be uh, queer and also follow the call of God. That is beautiful. Thank you for first uh, for just sharing that story and, and being vulnerable with us. I can relate to it in so many ways. Uh, and one thing you said really stuck out to me. Uh, you know, a, a lot of us, especially a lot of us uh, who identify as queer, who grew up in these uh, very conservative, uh, evangelical, theological uh, spaces, um, we do end up getting hurt by the church. And in the same light a lot of our family does as well like it's it's typically uh it affects more than just the one person who's being targeted in those spaces uh and you said even though you're hurt by the church you continue to battle it out and that that language really resonates with me because it it is this kind of constant battle with uh identity and uh the, the- theology that you were brought up to uh, kind of uh, love and trust, but then also balancing your authenticity uh, in in that progress. And it is really just this conscious decision to to keep going. Um, and I really uh, appreciate that. So I'm glad you went to Transylvania University. I'm glad you are now at Union, uh, continuing to follow your calling, uh, which brings me to our next question. Um, when did you know that God was calling you to start this new ministry that is Queer Conversations? And how did you go about kind of discerning the specifics of what queer conversations would ultimately be? Yeah. Um, well, as I shared, I grew up evangelical Protestant and um, kind of as many queer people have in finding a new church, a lot of times you end up in a, um, because of the nature of of the church world right now, especially in the United States, you might find like a mainline Protestant church or um, perhaps in my case, a a more progressive Baptist congregation. But predominantly all of, not all, most of those congregations are kind of traditional um, or perhaps a little bit more quote unquote high church. Um, And so you find um, that these spaces are not exactly the best bridge to cross over uh, from evangelicalism. And so, although I found a place very quickly in in the spaces in which I found myself, I I uh, I knew that there was something that that God wanted from me to call uh, those evangelical queer kids who were hurt like me. Um, over to 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 more queer um, affirming spaces, and you know what I found was that, that people were either not interested in this traditional church format, or they were scared to go in the church, um, or or they wanted to go to church, but it had it didn't mirror or reflect in any way the tradition they came from. 
And so I felt immediately called um, after joining Central Baptist Church in Lexington uh, to to start some kind of ministry um, and to say, we need to do the work of including LGBTQIA plus people. We cannot just put a sticker on the door and say, we're affirming. Uh, we have to do that work together. It's going to be painful work. It's going to be hard work. Um, but uh, I, I think if that evangelical mainline Protestant kind of, if those divides weren't there, I wouldn't have felt as called to do this. But I really feel that there needs to be some bridge between the gap. Uh, and and queer conversations is what came out of that. That's that's beautiful. So I want to like uh, focus in on this just a little bit more because um, I, I can tell you you have a deep love for Kentucky. You have a deep love for Appalachia, um, and as you know, our, our our stories have some overlap. I mean, I, I was a, a queer kid growing up in Appalachia. I did not have a good experience with that, um, mostly because of the theological spaces that I belong to um, as part of my upbringing. Um, and like full transparency, uh, there there came a point in uh, kind of my formation where. I knew I had to leave this place, this place being Appalachia, this place that I loved and adored, the culture, the people, the food, everything about it, the the um, <laughs> hospitality. Um, I knew that I had to leave. Uh, and I, I it's sometimes hard for me to describe that feeling. Um, and um, once I, I walked away and I started to make a home space here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is where I am located, I, I've come to understand that I needed to leave to make sure that I didn't start to hate the place. Um, and mm -hmm. I had yeah. to really reclaim Appalachia, reclaim uh, kind of my cultural um, homeland in, in a way uh, that I don't think I would have been able to do if I would have stayed. So tell me, like, what is it about place for you that has really kind of made you hammer back in on kind of your your home place and and making sure that um, these these queer people of faith um, have a a place that you and I didn't necessarily have when we were growing up? Yeah, um, I mean, I I have thought a lot about the idea that that land is very important. Um, to our bodies, uh, we, we are positioned and we are placed in in a culture and a context, and it's so deeply important for our bodies and our minds and our spirits. Um, and I take a lot of uh, kind of my beliefs about land from my siblings who are indigenous to uh, to North America, and also my uh, Jewish um, siblings who believe that. Uh, they have a a a space, a place, uh, a location, uh, a geographical uh, uh, piece of land uh, that is that is theirs and that uh, they call home. And when often when brought out of that, uh, many minorities get displaced from their home, and and a lot of times our our work is to search and to yearn and to find that home again. And so for me, I, 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 I wanted to work to create a space where we can say um, that our home is a, is, is a good place to be. Our home is a place that ought to celebrate us. Um, and unfortunately, 
ultimately, like you said, there there are many people, including yourself and myself, who have often felt displaced from our homes. Um, But through queer conversations and through my ministry, I I want people to know that uh, the bigotry that's out there is not uh, is not defining who we are as Appalachia. It's not defining who we are as Kentucky. Uh, There are so many queer people here that uh, perhaps if they had the spaces like queer conversations uh, to begin with, uh, they wouldn't feel the need to uh, have to be displaced. Um, And so I I continue to remind people that um, although sometimes they must leave, um, that that a home is a place that they deserve to stay if they are able to. And so my work will continue to make sure that home for me will remain my home and it will be home for others too um, as they continue to grow and learn that God loves queer people and God affirms queer people. Very awesome. Um, you're you're doing holy work, Jackson. So let me pause and just say that um, before we uh, move on to to the rest of our, our questions together. Um, just thank you for the, for the work you're doing and in the place that you are doing it. It's really uh, isn't going unnoticed by so many folks around you. Um, so kind of pivoting back to queer conversations specifically, kind of this uh, uh, community of faith that you have helped. Uh, create and you're continuing to um, cultivate uh, as you explore what works and what doesn't work. Um, I had some time to really do a very deep dive into uh, your website and your social media and and several things stuck out uh, to me, including uh, how you you make the statement that, you know, we, we celebrate the diversity of humankind and we reject the idea that one must accept um, binaryism and normativity in order to be loved and accepted. I just thought that was a beautiful thing to uh, kind of state and put front and center to anyone who's looking at, at this page, um, uh, kind of distancing yourself from this either or mentality uh, and that regardless of where you might be on your journey, um, this could be a very good place for you to come and explore. Um, But another thing that really stood out to me was uh, what you call your your gathering model. um, And you mention it is pro-participation and anti-excellence. And I'm hoping you could share a bit more about what you mean by that philosophy. How does that philosophy kind of look in, in real time? Yes, um, this is one of my favorite parts of queer conversations, um, and I embrace it wholly. Um, I actually borrowed this term from the Reverend uh, Nadia Bolsweber, uh, who is a wonderful theologian and speaker and thought leader, um, and she has she has really inspired me on my journey um, in understanding that God is not wanting. Um, perfection. God is not asking for perfection um, in any of our life, but through worship and through community, um, God is asking for our best and our best um, is not perfect. And so uh, we say pro-participation and anti-excellence in most of our meetings, because I want people to know that this is a space where you can participate. Uh, you're not going to get the theology right. Uh, none of us have a, a perfect theology. There's no such thing. Um, we're going to come out and say things that that sometimes you know might bother one person and and a bunch of other people love, or it might bother a lot of people. And you know we we're messy. We're messy. We come together 
and we pray together and we talk together and we challenge each other. And if somebody wants to come and sing and perhaps people don't think they can sing very well, that's all right. They're welcome to sing if if it's something that they believe uh, brings glory to God or or they believe that it brings uh, pride, a sense of pride and a sense of community to them. It's welcome. Any ways that people can participate. Uh, we just want people to know that this is not a space where you have to come and be perfect. Um, and I. And I know that that's a cliche in the church. Uh, I, I know plenty of contemporary kind of mega church styles are like, come as you are. And but even then, uh, they've got professionals on stage. They've got smoke, you know, fog machine. You know, they have the lighting down pat. So I want people to know this is this really is a space where we can be messy together. Um, you can come in your pajamas. You can come and be mad at the world and mad at the church. That's OK. Uh, you can come and hear from us that you are good and that you're not going to hell and never come back if you don't want to. Um, and so that's what we mean when we say pro-participation, anti-excellence. We just really want people to be here, to be present, uh, and to give their best uh, without worrying about doctrines and dogmas and trying to fit some mold. I love that, yes. Uh, and I wonder, so I know... I've been following queer conversations for a hot minute now on, on social media. Like, I don't know how long you have officially been around, but I believe I was probably one of the first uh, folks to to give it a follow. Um, and I know you began, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, you began as an in-person gathering. Um, and then that has shifted to a mostly virtual uh, community. Um, and I wonder if you might share kind of the, either the unique challenges that uh, you face kind of having such a community like this online or perhaps the benefits? Like, like what have you found moving uh, this project from kind of a fully in-person experience to a more flexible virtual uh, community? Yeah, well, I'd, first I'd, I'd say that that queer conversations, while it is a community, everyone knows it's also kind of a, a lab for theological and church exploration. Um, and so we've tried uh, many different things and, and, you know, some people have come and gone, but many people have kind of held on tight, <laughs> gripped tight as we, as we tried different things with each other. But we actually started in, in the height of the pandemic. So technically we started online, but it was a community of people within Lexington uh, near our church. So uh, it was kind of driven toward the Lexington, Central Kentucky uh, region. Um, and we found a lot of, uh, good work in that. We found that, um, there were plenty of people who really needed this space. Uh, but a couple different things were issues. We found that some people were highly uncomfortable coming to a place in person that they can't immediately, um, leave if they don't feel comfortable. So that's a nice thing about Zoom is you can you can click in call if you don't want to be there. Um, and that's something we must recognize with queer people of faith. Uh, there is so much trauma there that we have to recognize um, that spaces must be made comfortable uh, and open for for people who perhaps aren't out uh, or aren't comfortable or aren't safe 
uh, being in a, a space that that affirms them. And so we increasingly thought it would be smart uh, on our part to to do some online work. And so while we still were focused on the Central Kentucky region, we moved online. And that worked wonderfully. Everyone still wanted to participate. Um, then we started to realize there were a lot of people from Eastern Kentucky and Western Kentucky. And even out of the state, we had a lot of people from Florida. Uh, we had a couple people from Miami and uh, some people from the Carolinas uh, that that just didn't have a space near them. They lived in rural America, uh, which doesn't often have very many queer affirming spaces. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, which has been recently, we've decided to commit to working towards welcoming uh, this space to people from all across um, the United States, anywhere that you're able to come and join us. Uh, we want this to be a community for for all queer people of faith and allies who are who are excited to be a part of a community of faith. Very nice. And so I'm going to um, dive into uh, a little bit about your denominational affiliation. <laughs> so um, you, you're talking about uh, spaces and you're uh, you're operating really within a um, kind of this virtual space, but your affiliation is with uh, a, a Baptist church. Um, and you're also uh, associated with AWAB, which I'll allow you to explain uh, kind of what that is here in, in a second. Um, so Part of this podcast really is uh, helping to expand our understanding of what is possible within the spaces that we operate within. And I know for a lot of folks, um, when they hear the word Baptist, they automatically think anti-LGBTQ. This is not going to be a place where uh, queer folks can gather, they can be their authentic selves, and they can wrestle with God and faith in the process. So I'm hoping you could share a little bit about your Baptist affiliation, um, whether you want to dive into the denominational affiliation, whether it's CBF, Alliance, et cetera, um, the particular church you're involved with, um, or sharing a little bit more about uh, AWAB, which is the Association of Welcoming and Affirming Baptists. Um, just tell us a little bit more about your Baptist identity. And, and I, I know Queer Conversations is open to anyone. You do not need to be Baptist to be a part of this uh, community, um, but share a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, that's one of the biggest things in my ministry that shock people on, I mean, I guess like it shocks conservatives that I'm a queer Baptist, and then it shocks queer people that I'm a queer Baptist. So <laughs> uh, like anywhere I get some shock factor when I mention uh, what tradition I'm in. Um, but yes, I, I transitioned from, you know, when I when I found Central Baptist Church in Lexington, who is affiliated with the Alliance of Baptists. Um, and I later became a part of the Association of Welcoming and Affirming Baptists, which our congregation is also affiliated with. Um, and, I, you know, I remained Baptist uh, because I kind of was able to go back to the roots, um, as does the Alliance and AWAB, uh, back to the roots of what it means to be Baptist, um, which is a lot more beautiful than when I thought it was as a kid. Um, you know, a lot of people assume based on the largest denomination of Baptists in the United States and in the world uh, that 
that Baptists to be Baptist, you must have this, um, uh, this, you must, you know, totally agree, um, with a set of doctrines and dogmas about salvation and, and, and heaven and hell and, uh, sexuality and marriage and family. Um, and I think since that denomination has had so much influence, we have uh, kind of forgotten the roots of the Baptist tradition, uh, which is liberty uh, and giving people the individual right and liberty under God to have their own conscience, to be able to um, interpret uh, holy scriptures as they see fit um, through uh, the power of the spirit and and to be able to understand how personally and collectively uh, they're able to be a part of the body of Christ. And so I've continued uh, to be a part of the Baptist tradition in a new and beautiful way. Uh, and Queer Conversations has helped to really show people that there is a different way um, to be Baptist other than the uh, kind of the, the, the majority right now. Uh, to, to show people that there is a way to, uh, to, to follow God um, and also our, our individual conscience and to follow God and to also follow science. Um, and so it's been a beautiful journey and I continue to share with others uh, and even learn myself how to better be um, this Baptist identity that has been lost and forgotten over time. Yes, uh, I. it's funny looking back on, on, on my story, I did not... I was not aware that there was another type of Baptist out there outside of uh, the traditional kind of Southern Baptist identity um, until I was in college. Uh, so I grew up in such a bubble of Baptist, Southern Baptist culture um, in the mountains of North Carolina um, that I wasn't even aware that Cooperative Baptists exist, the Alliance of Baptists exists, uh, and there's several other. Those are just three <laughs> right there. But, uh, the the beauty about the Baptist tradition, love it or hate it, is that there are many different lines uh, within it. Um, and uh, chances are you can find your people somewhere in in that larger kind of ecosystem. And I always said, uh, especially now that I'm, I'm older and Jackson, maybe you can start adopting this, is that I've had to come out twice in life, once as gay and the other time as Baptist. Uh, so um, <laughs> you can feel free to take that. I'm pretty sure I stole that from someone uh, along the way. So uh, you can uh, start using that if you would like. Yeah, um, indeed. <laughs> all right. So uh, I have about three questions left. And, and the third one's kind of our, our final wrap-up question. So for these last two questions, um, I kind of want to pivot a little bit around um, kind of the wisdom that you can share to others who might be trying to create something like Queer Conversations or some other sort of project within Faith Spaces and, and kind of uh, how you might guide them in this process. So first off, um, what advice would you give an emerging queer minister who might want to start something like Queer Conversations in their community? Yeah, um... I would say, and and I, I would assume that most queer ministers uh, must be passionate about what they do um, because of the courage that it takes to be um, be a queer minister. Um, and so I applaud anyone who is willing and able and passionate enough to do this do this work that God has called them to. Um, and so I would say, if you have a community around you that's able to support you like I did, tell them you want to create something. Uh, show them what you want, throw out ideas, 
um, ask questions uh, to 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 some some wise ministers who are willing and able to help. Um, if you don't have communities like that, again, there are resources like the Association of Welcoming and Affirming Baptists, um, as well as a few other uh, resources um, throughout kind of the mainline Protestant traditions um, that are totally willing to help. Um, I think there are so many ideas out there for what we can do for for uh, queer ministry, um, but not too many people kind of queer ministers have been able to step up to the plate to do that work. And so anytime that there is a queer minister, I would say, please reach out to someone. If you know someone like me, I'm always willing and able to help to give resources. Reach out to a denominational body if you know that they um, could potentially be supportive. Um, I think there are many different avenues out there uh, that would be willing and able to help. Yes, and I will echo that, uh, at least in my kind of entrepreneurial journey with Faithonomics, uh, this building of community around me has been my lifesaver. It's, it's why it continues to motivate me to keep on going. And every time I hit a wall, which in the creation of any new project or venture or organization or faith community, you're always going to hit a wall at some point. And that community is always there to kind of help you navigate whatever that is. So um, I would just echo and kind of give you a, a plus one to, to that answer, if I may. Uh, so the, the second question uh, kind of around the shared wisdom concept is, how do you practice self-care? So I recognize that you are doing very important work in, in this ministry, but you're also, you know, you are journey, journeying alongside a complex issue, uh, sexuality, faith, uh, rooted in Appalachia. Um, I am sure you have had some opposition to this work, um, uh, whether you know, very straightforward or, or vocal or whether it's, you know, kind of shaded in, in some capacity. Uh, and I know you have to practice some self-care. So what do you do to practice self-care as a minister uh, in this space? Yeah, that is a very important question. And um, I think if I didn't care for myself, I would very quickly burn out. Uh, as as someone who would kind of consider myself a workaholic, um, not that I'm proud of that, but uh, I have to um, understand that I am not going to change every person's mind. I'm not going to change every church. I'm not going to make a space for every queer person ever. Um, so I have to at least limit myself on the work that I do, knowing that I am not in charge of it all. I'm not responsible for it all. Um, and I, physically, I can't do it all. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I definitely have to keep that in mind in order to recognize that just because there are still queer people hurting in the world, it's not my fault uh, that that they haven't found a space. Uh, and so that's one way that I have to take care of myself. Another way is to confide in ministers around you if you know some that are supportive and affirming. Um, my pastors at my home church at Central Baptist uh, as well as the congregations that I've served, have really been great mentors to me um, and been people that I can confide in to say, you know, I need somebody to stand up for me in this situation, or I need, you know, I need you to help me 
uh, at least to, to show people that I am doing the work and that I, I need to rest. Um, and, and that even goes for, uh, a lot of congregational work. When I talk about sexuality in front of young people, um, you know, adults get kind of weird about that. Uh, and as do I, as a queer person, who's afraid I'm going to get blamed for something or, uh, you know, having those ministers that, that care for you and are going to be there to protect you is, is of utmost importance. So once again, highlighting the importance of that community around you. So thank you so much, Jackson. Um, thank you for taking the time to be with us today and sharing more about your work. So the final question that I have for you is a very straightforward one. Um, no pun intended there, but um, uh, if folks want to learn more about queer conversations or possibly even get involved, come to one of your monthly gatherings, where would you tell them to go? Yeah, well, you can look us up on uh, Facebook, uh, Queer Conversations at Central Baptist Church is the title. Um, or you can also get on our website, um, which is currently Queer Conversations at CBC.square.site. Um, and those are two places you can uh, get involved with us, as well as uh, getting involved with our, our partner in ministry, the Association of Welcoming and Affirming Baptists. Awesome. And we'll be sure to link all of those in the episode description uh, so you can just click and uh, visit it right away. So Jackson, again, thank you for uh, taking the time to be with us today and sharing more about your work. It really has been a pleasure. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And if you are hearing this, thank you for listening and imagining new ways of doing ministry alongside us today. Once again, my name is Ray Slam, your host, and you can connect with me on all your favorite social media platforms at Ray Slam. Remember, that's a race with a Y. And if you don't already, remember to give Faithonomics a follow as well at Faithonomics also on all your favorite social media sites. So thank you again for listening to the Faithonomics podcast, and we will see you next week.